Amen and amen. Thanks, worship band, for leading us through that time of worship and being blessed uh, to sing together. Uh, what a great day it is to gather uh, in the name of Christ, uh, both online as well as in person. My name is Kathy Tucker. I'm here on staff. Uh, and uh, Jay and I were able to be uh, away last week, and we uh, went and sat down on the beach with no agenda. Amen? Oh, that's so refreshing. And, uh, and so if you haven't done that, I suggest doing that because it is uh, a wonderful thing to do. Uh, we're glad to be back, though. Uh, and uh, we, as we sat on the beach, talked about so many things that you can learn from the beach. And so uh, today is sort of a little bit about that, some lesson, lessons from the beach. And as we sat and we had different families come around us every day, uh, and we, sometimes we had bodybuilders, and that was just slightly intimidating. Uh, and then we had some other uh, folks that had little tiny children around us, people with really loud music, and so we cranked our music up louder too. I was like, we can be louder than you. And uh, no, uh, we actually did do that. That was kind of fun. But then we, we turned it down. And, uh, but anyway, every day was a new adventure. And, uh, and we learned something uh, new every day, actually, to be reminded of. And it's a great thing. Uh, so one of the days, uh, we had children just all around us. And it was delightful to watch them, actually, uh, for the sheer joy that they had in the water. And sometimes a little, you know, frightening experiences because you could see some of them had never done that before, or maybe it was the first time they had, uh, uh, or, you know, for the year, and they had forgotten what it was like for their feet to sort of be sinking in the sand. The little boys were jumping the waves and getting out on the boogie boards, and, and, uh, and it was a lot, of t a lot of fun watching them do that. One sort of jumped in, maybe knee deep, uh, and could start feeling that current move them backwards and started screaming to you know, uh, his full lung capacity because he was scared. But he started realizing there was a current uh, there that was maybe stronger than him. Um, when we were uh, younger parents and our children were that age, uh, it was quite an experience to help them understand the ocean and the power of the ocean. And sometimes when you wanted to sit you know, and just look at a book for maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes, you didn't have that moment because you were always watching after them because there's great joy, great delight, a lot of fun at the beach, but a lot of risk at the beach too. And so when you got little children, you certainly have to watch them all the time. There was one dad who was getting really frustrated because you could tell he just couldn't sit down and have his beverage and take a deep breath and go, ah, he was constantly chasing his children. And, uh, and we sort of smiled at that thinking, um, glad it's you, not me. <laughs> but, uh, but actually, we reminisced about all of that. And we began to start recalling times when we would be out with our own kids, and we do this still today, you know, whether it's on the boogie board or throwing a skip ball and throwing a football or whatever and diving and all of that, having so much fun. But, uh, but as we did that with our kids, invariably, at some point, we were getting tired or getting deeper in the water, and you're starting, man, I need to take a break. I need to go back and wipe my eyes, maybe get a drink of water. Our kids, like year after year, they would always ask this question to me, but they would say, Mom, why do you keep moving our stuff? Like, we're, you know, right next to our stuff, and then we turn around, and, and the umbrella's way away. Why do you keep moving it? And I had to explain it to them that I wasn't moving the umbrella, that I wasn't moving all the stuff that we carted out there. Dear God, no. 
that no, it was staying there, but the ocean was moving us away from the umbrella. You know, that we were so distracted having fun, but there was this current that we were unaware of that was moving us further and further and further away from our home base. And so when I thought about that and I smiled and, and I was thanking God that I didn't have to carry all the stuff that we had to take when they were 6 and 7 and 10 and 20. And, <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I was thinking, what a phenomenal life lesson right there. With just a childlike question is, why are you moving our umbrella? And so with that metaphor, um, whoa, life lesson there too. With that metaphor, uh, that parallel metaphor that's a spiritual lesson is there are literally currents that move us away, unaware sometimes, away from our core away from uh, that, that current or undercurrent in our culture can actually affect our core relationship with Jesus Christ. That the currents that are in our culture, and some of them, completely nothing wrong with them, just the activity that we totally fill our lives with. I mean, some of us don't even have any margin in our life. We're just one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, that we don't create the space to help us turn the page slowly. It's just running off the page. That in and of itself is a current in our society. Is anybody with me? Mm, that's exactly right. That's a truth right there. There's so many currents that we are unaware of that can pull us away from our core, our core relationship with our family, our core relationship, but what we've declared as our priorities, our core relationship with Jesus Christ. When, um, when, we were at the beach the whole week, really, the wind. I don't know if any of you were out this past week and the week before, but the wind was crazy. I mean, like we had a red flag every single day. And, um, and that was, you know, letting us know, okay, I'm not getting out in my shoulders level because, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to slam me. It's just going to slam me. And so I didn't do that a whole lot. I'd get out maybe waist deep, but I'd be like, mm, that's good. But what was really cool was to watch all the surfers go, red flag, you know? And so what was really nice to watch the surfers is that they had managed to learn that current and to manage that current and enjoy that current on top of that wave. And as I watched them and I thought about how they have developed a skill and a talent to rise above the wave to enjoy the wave, Man, it was really nice actually watching all the surfers that were out there. But I also got to thinking, how amazing would it be if you and I had flags in our life that kind of helped us identify risk, whether it was a red flag, beware. Whereas when you walked over the board, boardwalk and there's a big old sign right there that says beware of the undercurrent the undertow and it has this little thing of how you're supposed to swim and not panic and lose all self-control if you should get caught in it but how is there's this sign right there and how is there's a red flag or maybe one day it's a yellow flag or another day where it's blue or purple that talks about you know the creatures that might be quite uh dangerous uh, predators or th that might be in the sea that you need to be aware of how powerful it would be if we had those in our life. The, the passage this morning that I want to look at 
uh, is from Philippians. Uh, some of you are so familiar with it. Uh, and um, actually, it's not from Philippians. We will get to Philippians e uh, eventually. It's from Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to read the first and second uh, verse of Romans uh, from chapter 12, really looking at uh, the verse 2 uh, more significantly than the first one. But the first one sort of sets it up. Therefore, says Paul uh, to the church in Rome. And why he's saying it, therefore, is that you're supposed to be paying attention for those first 11 chapters of that book that he wrote to them, that letter that he wrote to them, volume. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he gives this warning. And I was just talking about warnings at the beach, right? So Paul gives this warning and he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's giving us a warning right there. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. And, you know, sometimes that's easy. I mean, that's easy peasy. We get it. We know there are things that are risky in our life, the things that can be detrimental to certain relationships that we have, a spouse, a child, a parent. We know from having uh, you know, life experience itself that culture can have some deadly things for us and that we have these sort of red labels out there to be aware. But this whole pattern of the world, what is that meaning? I mean, we live in this world. This world is what you know, is what we live and move and have our being and, and experience and, 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 and want to understand and see the beauty and to smell the, the richness of, of all the glorious treasures that, that we can experience in all five senses, actually. And so when we say the patterns of this world, what is it talking about? I think Paul is talking about any pattern in our life that's void of God that literally helps us or causes us to start getting so far away from the umbrella that we can't recognize our umbrella anymore. That we're pulling, getting pulled so far away from our relationship with our Creator God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the person who holds us in the palm of His hand, that we're like, we can't identify it anymore. And it's not that He's moved We've been moving. When I was a child, we could go out and, and, and go to each other's neighbor's house and play and play in the yard. Even if they didn't have a kid our age, we just mainly had to be where if there was a German shepherd that would put your head in his mouth. Because that happened more than once. We had to know about different animals or different dogs. But we got to kind of go around their neighborhood. We had a lot of freedom that maybe we don't necessarily have as much in this uh, time and era as we did back, way back in the day. But when my mom was ready for us to come in and wash up or to help put some things on the table and get ready, she would start calling our name. We didn't have cell phones. And, uh, and, um, and so she would call out our name, and I live, uh, I'm the middle child between two brothers, God help my soul. And so um, they, she'd call our names, 
And, you know, sometimes if we weren't ready, I mean, moment of confession, we'd like hide behind a tree. She can't. You know, and we'd stay out a little bit longer thinking she thinks that we can't hear or we could hear. If we dis, you know, if, 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 if we sort of disobeyed at that moment, or if we act like we didn't hear and we move further away to three other yards or so, it wasn't that my mother would stop calling our name. It's just we got so far away from her, we couldn't hear it. Do you hear the spiritual metaphor there? It's not that God starts, stops talking to you and me. It's not that he's moving the umbrella away from you and me. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's talking to us. He's placing himself in ways that he wants us to experience him in his fullness. It's just that sometimes there are currents in our life that can sometimes distract us unaware or completely aware. And we're in a rebellious mode that we're moving further away from him. And Paul is saying to the church in Rome, don't conform to the patterns like that, that are void of God in this life. Stop conforming to those patterns. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I just want to just very quickly actually talk about those three things, talk about three things that we can do to transform our mind. Because sometimes, certainly, our attitude needs to be checked. Our thought patterns and what we're focused on needs to be evaluated. We need to pause and go, Wow, man, I've been like, you know, Debbie Downer for about three weeks now. I've been stubborn stand for about six months now. I've been, you know, mean Margie <laughs> for, I don't know, as long as I can remember. There's this moment in our life if we actually will allow ourselves to be self-disciplined. That we consider our thought patterns. And are they lining up with God's word or are they actually opposing completely opposite of God's word? And so the three things that I want us to, to just highlight this morning is to ask the, literally ask the question, what do you feed your mind with? What does your mind dwell on? Is it constantly checking your phone over and over and over again on that stock market? Golly, I got this money today. Oh, man, I lost that money. I mean, like, all the time. Is it constantly, I mean, social media has got me so distracted, I can't even see that my child just did this whole amazing Lego by themselves and celebrate that moment. Or I can't see that, you know, uh, my child is on whatever sport they play. Uh, position that, that I've just missed it because I'm, I'm so distracted. The thought patterns. I can name one thing after another after another. That's just our culture. But how we can be swept away by the culture. If we're not focusing, if we're not understanding what are we feeding our mind. There's a parable about a boy who had a, a, a dream about two wolves fighting to the death. And in this dream, uh, there's a, one wolf is, is, is a good wolf, and, and, and the other one is, a, is, is sort of seen as a bad wolf, an evil wolf. And he doesn't know who's going to win uh, as he's dreaming this, so he asks a person whom he thought was wise in his dream. Uh, and the man says, that's easy. I can tell you who's going to win. 
It's whichever person feeds the wolf. What the wolf has been eating, the one who's been fed the most, that's the wolf that's going to win. And the same type of principle is, what is going to win in your life? You have to figure out, what have you been feeding your mind? (laughs) Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it beautiful? Is it ugly? Is it anger? Is it forgiveness? What have you been feeding your mind on? That's what's going to win in that transformation of your mind. What we feed our bodies is important for the longevity of our health. We know it. We've studied it. We've had doctors and nurses and med teams tell us that. And it's the self-discipline then that is required for, for us to apply it. Instead of eating all the junk food and never actually putting some good stuff in there. Our minds need to be fed with proper nutrition. And that's a powerful thing to consider when we talk about what are we feeding our mind with. And One of the things that the scripture is referred to uh, is the bread of life. The bread of life. Do you feed your mind with the bread of life? Choose ye this day, life or death. Bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. The word of God. And this morning, we'll have communion here in just a little bit. It's our practice here at at Richmond Hill United Methodist Church. The first Sunday of every month, we have communion. Where we will partake of the body and bread, I mean, uh, the bread and the juice, which symbolizes the body and blood of Christ. We do that as a way of reminding ourselves of the sacrifice that he made for us. And we celebrate that and we are thankful for that. And we're cleansed by the the whole nature of confession in that moment. When we feed our minds, that's what we're helping win in our life. It's a simple principle. (laughs) But how many times do we need to be reminded of simple things in life that we just sort of let go to the side. And so the question is, when do you feed your mind? Is it only on Sunday morning? The things that God wants you to have in your mind, is it only on Sunday morning? When should you feed your mind? Actually, all the time. All the time. As naturally as it is, breathing in and out, talking with your children at the dinner table, in and out, natural conversations. When do you feed your mind? Every day. In some way, uh, David, uh, who's known as the psalmist, he says, he, he's actually talking to God. He goes, oh God, how I love you. I meditate on your law day and night. I rise before dawn and I cry out to you for help. I have put my hope in your word, oh God. So David is actually saying, every morning, I want to have breakfast with you, oh God. When I lie down, I want to lie down in your peace and your blessings, oh God. When I rise up, I want to thank you for that, oh God. He's actually saying, in the, in the morning, in the noon, at night, I just want to be in relationship, in conversation with you, oh God, that I might see you infiltrate my daily life. That's how we feed our mind. Secondly, in addition to feeding our mind, is sort of freeing our mind. The whole idea about transforming, uh, transformation. Sometimes our mind needs to be liberated, delivered, 
redeemed from the old patterns because those are just there. I had a friend who, uh, who actually had a uh, break in her wrist and, and she, she was right-handed uh, and so she, had, she couldn't write with her right hand for uh, the period of time that it took to have that cast on and that bone uh, healed and repaired. And so she was having to write with her left hand. And she got pretty good. I mean, things started getting legible. But as soon as that cast went off, it was all together completely right back to that right hand. She had such a habit, as all of us do, with whether we're right-handed or left-handed, of going back to what is natural. Sometimes our old patterns is what is natural because we've done them so long. And so sometimes we need this liberation, the freeing of our mind uh, to change that pattern, to break old ways. And that's not certainly something uh, easy. It's easier said than done. 2 Corinthians 10, it says, We live in the world, but we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pre pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to make it to Christ and to make it obedient to Christ. So how do we fight this mental battle? We bring our thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. And to go back with the beach you know, that beach metaphor, that picture, that word picture, it's to be in the current, but to train your mind to constantly find your umbrella. To constantly say, hey, there he is. God, I see you. God, I hear you. God, I sense you in your presence. God, I can feel your direction. It's constantly training your mind at home, work, in traffic, at the grocery store, wherever you find yourself, training your mind to look for God in that moment. That seems sort of weighty, and yet it should be natural. As God created man, uh, as he created Adam and Eve, he created to walk with them in the cool of the garden and to have conversation, to be in relationship with them. That's how we're designed to actually not just have it you know, segregated where we're having worship one, one hour a week or one day a week. No, it's this life and rhythm that our life in and of itself is a moment of worship. And so we offer thanks to Him and we ask for help from Him and, and we, we ask for forgiveness from Him and we ask for direction for Him and we ask and we talk and we listen and we ask and we talk and we listen. Do you get it? It's not just one moment a week. It's like living in the current, being connected to home base, to the core relationship. That's how we free our minds. We train our mind, therefore that our mind might be transformed. And the third really goes right in hand, right in sync with the other two I've just said, uh, to focus uh, your mind. So to focus it. You know, the first one, was to feed it, to free it, and to focus it. Because how many times have uh, you heard the word, you become what you think about most of the time? 
So as a man or woman thinketh, so he or she shall become. That's why it's so important, the words we use with our children too, and the children around us. Uh, what they hear all the time is often what's projected and what they might become. Philippians 4, chapter 4, that whole chapter, it's worth reading it. It's worth highlighting the entire chapter. Can I get an amen from Jack Caldwell? He stepped out of the room for crying out loud. Y'all get on to him. I called him out, and, he's, and he just stepped out of the room. Somebody say amen for Jack. Amen. <laughs> Boom. Uh, so the whole chapter, the reason I say that is because when he preached last, he talked about be careful uh, letting your mind think and what it thinks. I bring this passage before you because it's so, uh, so rich, so powerful, uh, so applicable to you and to me. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think on such things. The New American Standard translation actually says, let your mind dwell on these things. I like that particular saying because I like to think about where does my mind dwell? Do I let it dwell on the compliment I got? Or does it dwell on the criticism? Too far, too long, I confess my mind will dwell on that criticism. Does your mind dwell on the things that create fear and anxiety? Or does it dwell on the promises in God's word that causes you to have a sure foundation? That come what may, I know who holds my future. What does your mind dwell on? It's powerful. It's important. It's day-to-day, just life advice. It's found richly in the scripture. Let your mind be transformed. Do not conform to the patterns of this world that can trip us up, that can put us in such a current that causes us to uh, fade and float further and further and further away from the very most precious, important relationship with God the Father. Uh, There was a person named Brother Lawrence, who lived in France in the 17th century. I don't know if you've ever heard of Brother Lawrence before. He wrote a little tiny, tiny, thin book called Practicing the Presence of God. I don't know how many pages is in that. It's really thin. Uh, But it's sort of his journal of how he practiced the presence of God. It's a beautiful uh, depiction of his life. And there was, in his time period, there was certainly political strife. There was social unrest. But he practiced such a spiritual discipline that even when he was not in the sanctuary because he was uh, living like sort of in a monastery, but even when he wasn't in a sanctuary, when he was just making eggs in the kitchen, there was this natural relationship with God the Father that he was in conversation with. And that whole little book talks about that, whether he was making pancakes or at the altar on his knees or walking around in this beautiful, lovely garden. He was in conversation 
And it's a powerful example for you and me that things can be that way for us too. Even in the tumultuous current of our society, or even when life is kind of getting crazy at home, that this conversation, that this relationship, that this transformation of our minds can happen because of Jesus. And as the old hymn says, all we have to do really is turn our eyes on Jesus. Look fully into his face and the things of earth can grow strangely dim as he lights it up. That's a powerful word for you and me today. And my question to you is, where's your umbrella? Can you see the umbrella? Can you see God the Father in your life? If you can't, make a way back to him. Let's go and pray to him now. God, thank you that truly you are a constant in our life. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Father, help us put our trust in that, that you are so trustworthy above any human we've ever come in contact with. And so, Father, when we have uh, our doubts, our worries, and our anxieties, uh, Father, the things that cause us to be entrapped sometimes, the current in our culture that sometimes pulls us so far away from you, oh God, Help us to focus and to turn our eyes and our gaze back towards you. Knowing that you are our home base. The one that we can put full trust in. Father, thank you for that promise. Thank you for that assurance. And for those of us who are needing that assurance today, may they find it, oh God. In the powerful and precious name of your son Jesus, amen.